Morning, everyone. Love it. So good to be together, isn't it? Uh, If you have your Bibles, open up Colossians chapter 3. And morning to those online as well. Hi. Jeff is waving behind the camera too. You can't see him, but I can. If you're new and visiting us this morning, or if you're joining us on the live stream for the first time, we're in the middle of a series on Colossians, but a kind of series within a series, two-part series on thankfulness. And so we're pausing to look at that again this morning. It's such an important topic for us, and it's so vital to our growth in sanctification. You know, we live in a culture where entitlement and its fruits of ingratitude, grumbling, complaining are so common that they're nearly invisible to us. And so how kind of God that we get to pause and look at the topic of thankfulness again. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 15 to 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You join with me in praying. Lord God, we want to thank you this morning that though we are so often an ungrateful people, you don't just leave us alone. But you come to us, you call us, and this morning you want to teach us and to help us. And so, Lord God, we invite your Holy Spirit into our midst this morning, and we want to ask you, Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be changed by you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to begin our time with an invitation to you all to join me. To join me as together we try and grow in thankfulness. You know, growing in thankfulness is a really amazing opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity because thankfulness overflows into so many different areas of the Christian life. You know, you can't be bitter and be thankful. You can't be angry and at the same time be thankful. It's hard to be greedy and also to be thankful. It's hard to be selfish and to be thankful. It's hard to be critical and at the same time thankful. It's even hard to be proud and to be thankful. Thankfulness overflows 
into many different parts of the Christian life. But this morning I want to invite you to join me because I'm still very much trying to grow in being thankful. You know, this week I was trying to prepare this message and I found myself busy with multiple things going on. So I had things related to church, things related to preparing the sermon, things related to my business, things related to family, lots of different things going on. And I was feeling somewhat tired and had a kind of approach of, I just need to get my head down and get this done. But what it meant is that sometimes when I'm having conversations with people, I'm sort of having a a possibly hidden attitude of, is that all? Uh, that you want to ask me? Is that because I've got to get on with it because I've got lots of really important things to get to. So are we done? Um, All the while trying to write a message on thankfulness. You know, I found myself this week somewhat consumed with my own world and all the things that I had going on, all the while not being thankful for the privilege. So I want to invite you to join me as together we try to grow in thankfulness, not as an expert, but as a fellow believer. Let's grow together. Let's ask God to grow this community to be one filled with radical gratitude. You know, maybe you're here or maybe you're listening to our live stream and you're not someone who would usually describe yourself as a follower of Jesus. I want to invite you to join us as well. You see, Jesus Christ is the key to a radical kind of thankfulness and joy in this life that nothing else can give to you. And so I want to invite you to join us as well. You know, last week we saw that true thankfulness comes from having a true perspective, a true perspective of ourselves, that we're sinners saved by God's grace who daily receive radically different from what we deserve. We saw that We need a true perspective of others to see that God is present in others that are following Christ, that he's working his good purposes by by his grace in their lives and that he will bring that good purpose to completion. And we also need, most importantly, a true perspective of God, that God is gracious, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's powerful, that he's wise, that he's always working for our good. And that this perspective allows us to receive with thanks everything that comes from his hand. Well, this week we're pivoting to look at something of practical application. How do we grow? Uh, But before we sort of dive into the details, I just want to begin with a word of caution for us. We're going to be talking about, and I'm going to be throwing out like lots of ideas and strategies to help you grow in grace-motivated, Holy Spirit-empowered change. But please don't attempt all of them. Don't try and nut down every single thing that I'm going to be throwing out. Our approach this morning, what I want to encourage us all in together is just pick one. Pick one thing that you might really give focused attention to. If you're taking notes, um, I've entitled this message, True Thankfulness Part 2, Growing in Gratitude. I've got three points. The first point is the longest one, so... Don't you know, get too nervous if I'm rabbiting on and you know, it's getting late and you're thinking, how are we going to get through this? The first is longest and I've got two following points. But really one hope for us together this morning, whether you're here or online, and that is that we would see that growth in true thankfulness occurs by applying the true perspective of the gospel to our words, thoughts, and deeds. You know, last week we saw that True thankfulness is about having a true perspective. 
that true perspective of the gospel. This week, we're looking at growth in gratitude, growth in thankfulness, and that it occurs by taking that true perspective and applying it to the things we think, the things we say, and the things we do. Well, let's dive into point number one and a thankful mindset. You know, we live in a culture that is much more focused on the outward than the inward. You know, what a person is seen to do or say is of much more importance than what goes on within. In fact, people in our culture are tolerated with having very unpopular views as long as they keep them to themselves, right? And even in Christian culture, so much of our focus can be on outward behaviours. You know, what you're attending or the types of prayers you make or how generous you seem to be or what sort of service you're involved in or even how you dress. But Jesus actually taught the opposite. Jesus actually taught that what is happening inside is most important. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, Jesus says the following. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup of the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean out the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Jesus is saying that what matters most is not actually what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. You see, the truth is that actually there's a battleground in our fight for true thankfulness. And that battleground is in our minds and in our hearts. Every day as we go through life in this broken world, to be thankful is a declaration of faith in the character of God. Every day as we face temptation to ignore or assume the many and varied blessings of God towards us, you know, so often we don't even pause to stop and even thank him. More in the face of painful, difficult, uncomfortable circumstances, the temptation is to grumble and complain. But underneath that grumbling and complaining really lies a questioning questioning of God's character. But thankfulness says, God, even though this is painful, I trust in your good purposes in this. I trust that you're working for good. But this kind of thankfulness doesn't just happen. It doesn't just suddenly appear. It actually requires grace-motivated Holy Spirit inspired and empowered effort. Read with me verse 15 of our passage this morning. It says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful, says the Apostle Paul. See, the heart in our culture is the emotions. And so we might be tempted to kind of read a confusing statement, something like, let the peace of Christ rule in your feelings or something like that. But when this was written in the first century, that's not what this meant. The heart was considered to be the center and the source of life itself. It was considered to be inclusive of your thoughts, your will and your desire. It's the inner you. And so what Paul is saying is, let the peacemaking work of Christ, let the message of the gospel penetrate into your inner being. 
Let it control you completely. And the fruit of this will be thankfulness. More, he's so determined that the Colossians hear this, he repeats himself again in verse 16. He says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with thankfulness to God. Let the word of Christ, the true perspective of the gospel, dwell in you richly, dwell in you in abundance. Let it dwell in you such that you might experience overflowing thankfulness. But here's the important question. What is the true perspective of the gospel? What's well, actually what we've been singing and talking about all morning. It's that God has revealed himself and what he is really like in the person of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. His son who lived the perfect life, who continuously was displaying acts of mercy and love and grace towards others, who in the upper room on the night he was to be betrayed took bread and wine and looked at them knowing what they meant and gave thanks. You see, Jesus Christ reveals that the heart of God is so good and is so gracious that he could look at his impending suffering and death and give thanks. That the Lord Jesus on the cross purchased forgiveness and redemption and adoption, that he's risen and reigning in glory, and that he offers this to every person despite the way they've slandered, ignored, belittled, mocked, and rejected him. This is the word of Christ that must dwell in us richly. You see, our hearts and our minds, they're a daily battleground. Throughout each and every day, there is a battle raging for dominance. Will the word of Christ... That is, the message of Christ crucified for sinners and the true, joy-filled, praiseworthy perspective that it brings on God, on ourselves, and on others reign supreme? Or my sense of what is right, my desires, my plans, and the kingdom of myself? Now, why is Paul so concerned that the gospel overflows in the hearts and the minds of the Colossians? Well, the answer is that he could see that the heart and the mind are what empowers true thankfulness. But here's an important question. Okay, that's great, but how do we actually do it? How do we actually let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts and our minds? Well, I've got four brief points for us to consider this morning. And the first point of application is simply this, by regularly meditating on the gospel. You know, as I was uh, preparing like this message, uh, my buzzer went in my building uh, because the postman had arrived with a parcel downstairs. So I went out to collect the parcel 
And the lifts were just taking forever. And I was waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And finally the lift comes, and I get in the lift, come down to the bottom, grab the parcel, turn around to wait for the lifts again. And I see that both the lifts are stuck on level seven, and they're not moving. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And then finally the lift comes down, so that's moving down. I think, great, you know, great, finally... Um, and then it comes all the way down to ground and it keeps going down to the basement. And I think, oh my goodness. And I, what I did is I kind of just rolled my eyes and thought to myself, great, just what I need. But then it just occurred to me, what does the gospel say about this moment? Where is God in this scene? The gospel says that through the Lord Jesus, He's ruling and reigning and present and working, even this minor little delay for my good and for his glory. And by rehearsing the gospel, I was able to turn it into a little bit, at least, of thanks. You see, regularly meditating the gospel, it's the engine room that drives thankfulness. You know, we need to ask God to grow us in the habit of choosing thankfulness by rehearsing the gospel every morning and every evening as often as we can. You know, if you want to grow in this specifically, I invite you to come and join our boot camp, uh, mission boot camp that's happening just this week. Uh, This is one of the big things that we're going to be doing is looking at learning to rehearse the gospel all the time to ourselves. And the fruit of that, I hope, is growing in Thankfulness. So that's the first application, regularly meditating on the gospel. But not just that, by devoting ourselves, secondly, to the Jesus community. Read verse 16 with me again. It says this. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. Admonishing, it's counseling to correct or avoid something. You know, when Paul encourages the Colossians to let the word of Christ dwell in them richly, he's actually addressing the whole community. It's not something that we're meant to do alone. We're meant to be a people who are constantly encouraging one another about the word of Christ, the peace of Christ, and even gently pointing out to someone when they've lost sight of it as well. You know, um, many of you will know our brother Yui and Uncle Stephen. Uh, Two weeks ago, Annie Jeanette uh, passed away to be with the Lord, and it just reminded me this week as I was thinking about it, talking to Yui and just the way he's been encouraging me. So I'll put on my best Yui impersonation, brother, for you. Um, But I'm just chatting to Yui, asking him how he's going, and he was saying, like, oh, yeah, brother, you know, like, we miss mum so much, but praise God, she's with the Lord, with Jesus, you know, in heaven. Praise the Lord, brother. And I just there's something about when you were sharing with me and just encouraging me like that, it, it just resonates in my heart and reminds me, you know what, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly where Aunty Jeanette is. And that's true of me and that's true of us. And, and that's when we're in community. We get to encourage one another that the word of Christ might dwell in us richly. So it's by devoting ourselves to the Jesus community as well. But not just that, not just devoting ourselves to the Jesus community, not just regularly meditating on the gospel, but also by singing, by singing songs that exalt Christ. Let's read verse 16 again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, have you ever wondered why singing is such an 
important and vital aspect of our gathering? Have you ever wondered, like, why do we even do it? Like, is it just like some old tradition? Like, we've always done it, I guess. There's something about the way in which the word of Christ dwells in us, especially richly when we sing. It leads us to this beautiful thankfulness to God. It takes the truths of the cross and it impresses them on our heart in a special way. You know, any of you that know uh, my wife Charlotte will know she's such a lovely and incredibly joyful and gracious woman, thankful woman. And one of the things about her is that she just loves to sing. She's constantly singing Christ-exalting songs throughout our household. And even as I'm writing this bit of my sermon at home, Charlotte is in the background singing Amazing Love, How Can It Be?, walking around the house. You know, occasionally for us together as a couple, when we're really sad or anxious, you know, I just get us to just pause and sing. And we ne- you never want to do it. You always kind of feel like dagging a, a silly thing to do. But the result is always that it lifts your heart to the heavens and helps you to just experience in a fresh way the nearness of Christ. You, know, you want to grow in thankfulness? Let me encourage you. Give yourself to regularly singing Christ-centered songs. It's one of the beautiful things about Sovereign Grace music is they're constantly writing and producing Christ-exalting songs. Play them constantly. Let them be your anthems throughout the day and it will help you to have the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. But not just that, not just through singing, not just through devoting ourselves to the Jesus community, not just through regular meditation on the gospel, but fourthly, by making our prayers with thanksgiving as well. You know, one way to allow the true perspective of the gospel to overflow in our hearts and minds is to make our prayers with thanks. You know, even just the way the Apostle Paul starts the letter to the Colossians, he says this in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God when we pray for you. Uh, Paul was just constantly giving thanks in all of his prayers. You know, a famous uh, passage is Philippians 4, verse 6, where the Apostle Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you noticed that what Paul says is the key to experiencing the peace of God that transcends all? It's not just prayer and supplication. It's prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There's almost a formula here. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. You see, thanksgiving is an expression of faith in the risen Lord Jesus. Thanksgiving says to God, I believe you're good and you're reigning and you're in this. Charles Spurgeon puts it so well when he says this, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. The sweetest prayers God ever hears are the groans and sighs of those who have no hope in anything but his love. That's so true. When we cannot see his hand, We must trust his heart. 
And that's what prayer with thanksgiving is. Here's a tough question for you to consider this morning. Are you able to thank God for everything, including your thorns? You know, I'd never considered it until recently, actually, thanking God for, for difficulties and thorns, until I stumbled across George Matheson. He was a blind Scottish hymn writer and minister, and he wrote many hymns. Uh, one of his famous hymns is called O Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go, which he wrote in 1882. And George Matheson was engaged to be married, but due to his blindness... His engagement was called off, and he was left alone. And yet he wrote this prayer. George Matheson writes, My God, I have never thanked thee for my thorns. I have thanked thee a thousand times for my roses, but never once for my thorns. Teach me the glory of the cross I bear. Teach me the value of my thorns. Show me that I have climbed closer to thee along the path of pain. Show me that through my tears, the colours of your rainbow look much more brilliant. Isn't that beautiful? I have never thanked thee for my thorns. George Matheson saw the kindness of God in all things. You see, the engine room of thankfulness, it's the mind and it's the heart. Grace-motivated growth in thankfulness also requires a daily battle to allow the true perspective of the gospel to reign in our hearts and in our minds, a battle we can fight by regularly meditating on the gospel, by devoting ourselves to the Jesus community, by singing songs that exalt Christ, and by making our prayers with thanksgiving. And that's point number one, a thankful mindset. But not just a thankful mindset, also point number two, thankful speech as well. You know, Paul writes the following in verse 17. He says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, giving thanks. Whatever you do, absolutely everything you do or say, give thanks. See, the overflow of the true perspective the overflow of the word of Christ, of the gospel dwelling in our hearts, is thankful speech as well. Here's a tough question for us to think about together this morning. Would those who know you best describe you as an encouraging person? Are you someone who's quick to point out where you see God working in someone else and to give thanks. You know, as Aussies, I believe this is a real cultural weakness for us. We have this thing called tall poppy syndrome where if you stick your head up above the crowd, we'll cut it down for you to size, for kind of the, the gardeners of other people, I guess, in that way of culture. And when it comes to giving thanks to others, we, we or encouraging others, we, we tell ourselves things like, well, you know, wouldn't want to give them a big head. You know, um, or things like, you know, we've got to try and keep them humble, keep them honest. Uh, of course, they know I'm thankful for them. No need to, no need to say that. 
And all of these things, particularly if you're Australian, they sound really good, but they're not biblical at all. We're called to express thanks. You see, nowhere in the Bible does it say, and above all, keep your brothers and sisters humble by withholding thanksgiving. It doesn't say that. See, Paul was constantly giving thanks for others. The majority of his letters start with thanksgiving. Philippians 1.3 I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Romans 12.10 Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Outdo one another. Okay, you think that was a reason to thank God for this sister? Let me give you something even greater. You know, while it's true that thanksgiving comes from a heart that is filled with the glories of God's grace through Christ, the converse is true as well. You see, a person who is in the habit of looking for and pointing out God's grace will have a heart with ever-increasing thankfulness. Because that person will be ever-increasingly in an awareness of God's grace. Elizabeth Elliot writes the following so helpfully when she says this, It is always possible to be thankful for what is given rather than to complain about what is not given. One or the other becomes a habit of life. Accept positively and actively what is given to you and let thanksgiving be the habit of your life. So true, isn't it? It's always possible to be thankful for what's given rather than complain about what is not given. Well, what are some practical ways in which we can grow together in this, which we can grow in thankful speech? Well, here's a few ideas. I've got three just for us to think about. You know, firstly, how about something simple like just keeping a thankfulness journal? You know, if you're like me, you can sometimes find it really hard to remember things you give thanks for in others. Well, here's an easy option. Just write them down. Or maybe even keep a record of things you learn about God as you read the scriptures that are worthy of praise. And then tell others when you see a glimpse of those qualities in them and give thanks to God for it. Uh, Another idea, not just keeping a thankfulness journal, maybe take time out to regularly just give thanks for others. You take the time to simply pull aside someone and just encourage them. Take the time to do something like write a letter to someone. I mean, when was the last time I did that? And tell them specifically what you give thanks to God for about them. You know, writing letters of encouragement to people, I mean, it sounds a little bit old-fashioned, but it's something so special if you've ever received one. And such a wonderful opportunity. You know, there's so many stories of senior saints who have passed away to be with the Lord and in their Bible they've found in the cover notes of encouragement that they've kept for decades and decades, such as what the encouragement it brought to them. Just to read over again and again in times when they've needed encouragement. To think that in doing something as simple as taking the time to write someone a letter, you could have that kind of effect on a person that they might treasure that letter and hold on to it for years and years to come. 
But not just even taking time to encourage others or keeping a journal to give thanks. What if you did something radical, like embark on a season of thankfulness? You know, nothing destroys a relationship quite like constant complaint. And the closer the relationship, the greater the destruction. A husband and wife, a parent and a child. Constant drip, drip, drip of complaining. It tears people apart. What if you did something radical? What if you decided to enter into a season of thanksgiving? What if you made like a radical commitment to 30 days of giving no criticisms, but only ever encouragements? What if you then did something like you told your gospel community about what you're hoping to do and asked them to hold your account in it? 30 days of nothing but encouragements. Imagine the kind of fruit God could bring about in your relationship through that. Three ideas. See, we can grow in true thankfulness by developing a thankful mindset and by practicing thankful speech. But not just that, not just a thankful mindset, not thankful speech. Our final point for this morning, point number three, thankful deeds as well. Verse 17 says it this way. Paul says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the final way to grow in thankfulness. It's through our actions. But it kind of seems a bit odd, doesn't it? Like, okay, what do deeds have to do with thankfulness? Well, last week I mentioned that in the language of the New Testament, grace and thankfulness and joy are kind of all related together. They're all interconnected ideas. And last week I said that the definition of thankfulness is really a joyful response to receiving grace or receiving kindness. You see, thankfulness exists on a bit of a continuum. There's a bit of a flow to it. We receive grace, we respond with gratitude, and then we respond again by giving generously, by giving grace to others. You see, the right response to the grace of God at work in us is to, with thankful hearts, show grace to others. That is, to be generous. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 4.15. He says, For it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more and more people, it might increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. We extend grace to others. They thank God. They extend grace to more people who thank God, who extend it to more people who thank God, and it all ends in the glory of God. But here's the thing. Some people are probably, by now, in this message, feeling somewhat worn down by the big list of, I believe, seven odd things that I've given you already about how we can grow in thankfulness. And you're probably thinking, how on earth can I do all of this? I'm so busy already. But here's the thing. Giving ourselves to being more generous with our time and our talents and our treasure, I'm not actually talking about doing more. In fact, for most people, I think, most of the time in this neighbourhood, it actually probably means doing less and not more. And Mary Moller, in her book, Growing in Gratitude, says it so well and convictingly like this. 
We live in an increasingly fast-paced society, so we must be careful not to evaluate our days based on how much we get done and how many boxes we checked off on our to-do lists. A huge hindrance to expressing gratitude to the Lord can be traced to our overbooked schedules and the self-focus that often follows. What does it say to the Lord when we cannot carve out even a moment to thank him for the blessings he freely gives us? Or when we do so only as we are exhausted and falling asleep in our beds? It says that we have ungrateful hearts that are preoccupied with the distracting details of our lives. Isn't that true? Doesn't that look in some ways like my past week? You see, I think so often our greatest challenge to living the truly thankful lives that God wants for us is not that we simply need to do more, but that we so often have filled our lives with the wrong things. Rather than living to worship our maker and sustainer, we're preoccupied with the distracting details of our lives. And so giving thanks to God, expressing thanks to others, looking to be generous with our time and with our talents and with our treasure, never even crosses our mind because we're too busy. We're completely absorbed with the million things we have going on in our own world. Kevin DeYoung, at the end of his book, Crazy Busy, writes the following. He says, it's not wrong to be tired. It's not wrong to feel overwhelmed. It's not wrong to go through seasons of complete chaos. What is wrong and is heartbreakingly foolish and wonderfully avoidable is to live a life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. And it's so true. See, I think one of the big obstacles to growing in thankfulness is that we're doing too many things. And one of the ways we can grow in thankfulness is by being generous with our time and our talents and our treasure. Well, here's a difficult final question for us to consider then. What is one thing that God is calling you to give up so that you might have more time to be generous towards those around you? What's one thing that you might be able to give up to be more generous to those around you? Well, in closing, friends, I want to end where we started, and I want to extend an invitation to you to join me to join me on a journey to grow in thankfulness. It's a journey of amazing potential which can overflow into so many different areas, into grumbling and greed and anger and selfishness and pride. And it's a journey that's powered by the true perspective that the message of the cross brings as we apply it to our hearts and minds and words and deeds. We've talked about so many different areas of practical application, though, that it might be easy to be kind of confused and overwhelmed and think, Where do I even start here? Well, here's what my final encouragement is for us. Pray that the Lord would show you one thing. Reveal to you what's the one thing and walk in that. And here's the amazing hope that we have. Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion 
on the day of Christ Jesus. You know, trusting in Christ means that God is working in you and will finish what he began. You know, C.S. Lewis is famous for saying that if people could see you now as what you will be on that last day, they'd be tempted to fall down on their knees and to worship you because you'll be so much like Christ. Isn't that true? The same Holy Spirit that caused Jesus to give thanks in the upper room dwells in you. His faithful friends, he will complete it. Growth in true thankfulness occurs by applying the true perspective of the gospel to our thoughts, to our words, and to our deeds. Would you join with me in praying as we close? Look, God, I just want to thank you this morning so much for your word. Lord, you are so kind and you are so patient with us day after day after day. Though, Lord, so often our example is of some people that are just too busy, so busy and distracted with many things that we do just collapse at the end of the day. Maybe even in our exhaustion, failing to even for a moment give thanks to you. And yet how kind of you again this morning to remind us, according to your faithfulness, that we have so much to be grateful for. Grace upon grace upon grace. Thank you that the Lord Jesus, such is his love and mercy, could look at the bread, look at the wine, thinking of us, give thanks. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning as your people, give us something of that same heart. Give us something of that degree of trust in God. And in all things, at all times, we might bring you praise. And we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.